so Marie Kondo, uh, I I read the book, kind of thinking, you know, like this must be another one of those uh, help books, right? But how to organize and how to declutter. But the thing behind it is actually, if you really love what you touch, materially possess, mm-hmm. right? So you keep what you brings you joy, so you can take care of it. Mm-hmm. What no longer brings you joy, you're grateful and give it. To, so you could live another life. It's a very so you give of, it away. Well, no, throwing it away, give it away. They don't look into that, right? <laughs> but oh, so you throw is, it away? Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. So what it is, you have to touch it and touch okay. everything. And then if no longer gives you joy, then what you're saying is, you gotta, you gotta thank you, right? You know, for the joy that you gave me, you know, uh, previously, and then you let it move on. So when she moves into the, when she goes to someone's house, the first thing she does is she kneels and prays and says, oh. let's be grateful that this house has protected us. And it gives uh, being to the thing. Okay. And to recognizing that. Oh, uh, interesting. It is. So there is this, whether it's Eastern philosophy or not. Uh, yeah. It sounds kind of like animism or something. Yeah. Okay. It could be right, right. So that is what drives. So although let's say externally it's like decluttering, but the grounding is so different from the Western mindset of it. Mm-hmm. I found it far more effective. And in fact, I did write a little blog reflecting upon, like, what does it mean to set your house in order? Uh, it's actually learning to get in touch with the being of all things. Um, so I think that's a good segue, right? Not so, Hey, so. Did you enjoy this? Yeah, yes, no. very much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're talking about non-things <laughs> <laughs> by this German-Korean philosopher called Pyeongchul Han. Yeah. How did you come up? Is it just, where did you find out about this book in particular? So this book in particular was me just looking for, and my wife, looking for some works for Pyeongchul Han. Oh, okay. Uh, but this was the first book that kind of came through. <laughs> oh, okay. And um, have you enjoyed reading it? I have. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not all parts of it. I think there's some parts that kind of lose me. Yeah. And I don't agree with everything. Yeah. But in the very beginning, it was like, wow. Mm. It was like his, his way of speaking mm. is refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's deeply philosophical without being convoluted. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also very practical. Mm. Um, and I think he does bring in like uh, other, like, like he doesn't stay within the philosophy arena, right? He does bring in like other uh, like thoughts and you know, even pop culture and mm-hmm. how he's able to weave all of that into what is ultimately still a philosophical statement, right? I was just going to say, we can start with things you didn't agree with, maybe. Well, actually, I, I want to hear from you, like, what you liked about it and uh, what you didn't you know, before. I also thought it was wow because it was succinct. Mm-hmm. And I think it might also be the fact that they translated from German into English, because if it were German sentences, I'm probably sure, I'm pretty sure it would have been really long and convoluted. But to make it intelligible, I think the translator probably uh, worked their magic. 
I think. Okay. Who's Could the translator? Daniel Steuer. Anyway, um, yeah, I agreed with a lot of it. Um, the artificial. So I'm only halfway through the views of things chapter, which is about halfway okay. through the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the artificial intelligence chapter, which was the one right before, lost mm-hmm. me. And I thought mm-hmm. it got more and more dense as I kept reading. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, I've marked a few things where I thought either I agreed or disagreed. Well, let's start with that. Some of the things that you marked. And you're right, there were a lot of like sentences or even whole paragraphs. I was like, you know, we could just spend an hour there. <laughs> mm, <laughs> like what? Well... I have to find it now, but why don't you start first? <laughs> okay, okay. I should have marked it because this is not my book. I didn't mark uh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, things like, it seems quite basic now, but for example, there's a description of Yoko Ogawa's dystopia where people live in a totalitarian regime where there's like memory police that rob us of our things and our memories. Mm-hmm. And um, we're intoxicated intoxicated by communication and information and things disappear so we're surrounded by non-things so there's a rule of information that claims to be freedom but it claims to be and digitalization de-reifies and disembodies the world it um, it also abolishes memory this is page eight of the preface And Han writes that um, instead of memory, we have vast quantities of data. Mm. And um, I thought it was interesting the way that he phrases information as feeding off of our attraction towards surprise. The attraction Mm. doesn't last soon. Mm. It lasts long because soon there is a need for a new surprise. Mm. So reality is perceived now in terms of attraction and surprise. And we're information hunters mm. trying to, you know, find the latest surprising, mm-hmm. interesting thing instead of things that are still inconspicuous, common, incidental, customary. Mm. So, yeah, I thought that was yeah. kind of shift in the way that we... Sorry, yeah. I just talked for like two whole minutes, I think, by myself. No, hey, you could go on. <laughs> what do you Seriously. think about that bit? Okay. I mean, one of the reasons why we're doing this for me is like, I do want to kind of think this through with someone else. Mm-hmm. Right? I think you're a great thought partner. You help me kind of think it through by showing, again, different perspectives. Um, so, Okay, so a lot of things were quoted. So one of the like one of the main things, obviously, in the book is about the movement from non-things to things. I mean, I'm sorry, from things to non-things. Okay. Right? And and then uh, because of that, we lose something of what it means to be human, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like he's talking about like the terrestrial order, which is between the heaven and the earth, right? And the things that happens in between. But now. We can go beyond it because we are somewhat entering into. So I'm not stating I'm, I'm kind of like this is what I've re- read and heard, right? 
is we kind of enter into a virtual world right, where it is now more like information. So even on all interactions, even human to human interactions happens more to be informational than kind of physical being together, presence lingering. Mm -hmm. right? And it might seem like there is human interaction happening, but what's happening is just information. And I do see that. And I think this is also another thing where why it hit, hits me is because he kind of like is able to explain mm -hmm. like we know the phenomena. This is happening. But what is it really doing? I think that's what the explanatory power that I think this book gives. Mm. Uh, it's almost kind of like a frog in the water doesn't know mm -hmm. that the temperature is rising, but mm -hmm. this frog does. Mm. Hey, you know what we're doing? We're losing our humanity. Mm. So when you think about all the interactions now, a lot of it happens on like Facebook, right? And what happens in Facebook is purely information. Mm. Like it is contextless information, mm. right? Where sharing like you know, you know what where we go what sh what we did and okay go ahead <laughs> third interruption dylan come in and say hi i don't well, know if you remember okay. do you remember dylan <laughs> no, he was no, a little baby so long ago <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean he was a baby then now he's this that's why you want to recognize him <laughs> but, um, yeah so um and then all of that is uh you know it's not not natural, it's all posture, right? You, you have to take picture, selfie, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instagram and all that, even Facebook. So that's the only thing that's kind of happening. And that information actually lives beyond the heaven and it's in the cloud, right? It's, mm -hmm. the, it's a digital world, it's a non-real world. Um, and it's only, again, the non-information, in, non-things gets shot up into the cloud and comes back up and it gives us these images, but it's not a thing. It's not real. Like you're not relating with that friend at all. You can't touch it. Um, and and uh, okay, so yeah, I don't want to be talk too long, but I feel like because of that, you, again, you lose something of your humanity. Something feels empty. Something feels uh, not true, right? Um, and I think he's able to kind of explain why that is. And for me, I do feel like I've, I'm doing a lot of this kind of um, remote work, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and even as I'm doing all this remote work, which means that now I am kind of connecting with a lot of different people, like in our company, there's people from like African Korea and I see them like that. But even after all that, and then I shut down the Zoom or whatever, I feel lonely and isolated and I don't know where where it is, right? And I feel like it's partly because the digital world has taken over the way we act. And I think him saying that's the non-things kind of gives description or explanation of why I feel this way. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um yeah, I mean, I partly agree with that, but I think it gives rise to new kinds of community, right? I mean, Han shits on how, you know, this, what was it? I marked another passage where uh, the origin of culture lies in community. This is page 17. Culture teaches symbolic values that found a community. 
But then the more culture becomes a commodity, the more it leaves its origin behind, and the total commercialization and commodification of culture leads to destruction of community. Hmm. So the community invoked on digital platforms is a commodified form of community. So community as a commodity spells the end of community, which I thought was fun. Community as a commodity spells the end of community. That's kind of fun, sort of. Yes and no. So, I mean, this person is coming from a pretty traditional sort of like, I need to feel things and have things in my hand to, you know, inform me in that sense and of course that is one part of our knowledge right it's Mm -hmm. you know embodied yeah it's touch it touches one of our senses touch smell you know um i think virtually we can see each other and we can hear each other but you know the other taste touch taste touch and smell maybe are not Mm -hmm. so if you want to think about it in the senses all of them will be affected and used uh, like uh, applicable if you meet with someone in person. So there's part of it that's missing, mm. but at the same time, there are communities that are not just commodities. Mm. I think there can be global communities of support of, mm. you know, like communities of people who are oppressed, mm. who connect online because there's mm. no other way to do it in person or people who are in some sort of disaster affected area or uh, violence affected area in some kind of autocratic regime, the only way they can reach out is to people that are not local, that are Mm. elsewhere, have different conditions to their own. Mm. So that gives a sense of actual freedom in the sense Mm. that they can express themselves online in a way that they cannot do in their embodied lived Mm -hmm. lives Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yes i think there is a kind of if you have access and again that's another issue because there's information poverty there's those who can't access the virtual space at all so the fact that we're talking about a complete virtual space is already the space of privileged Mm -hmm. uh peoples and of Mm -hmm. course he's writing from very technological you know in germany you can get a hold of these things although they're a little bit behind in south korea 100 percent, very digitized Mm -hmm. Um, but there are large sections of the world that are not, you know, virtual like this. That's um, true, right. Yeah. yeah, so anyway, I think it can form a different kind of community. And again, it's a tool. So um, it then in that case, if you acknowledge that it's a tool, it can be used for whatever means to whatever ends humans want it to serve. Mm-hmm. So it can be evil, it can be good, right? It's it's not up to the technology. It's up to us to make whatever we can of the technology. Yeah. So I agree. Um, It does. So this non-thing world, uh, this world of internet and Zoom and all this kind of virtual connections does create a community that your physical community perhaps cannot give or even might be dangerous to you right mm. and then all of the things that you mentioned about access as privilege i think all that is very important um and i mean like if so i guess one of the things uh 
the way he writes is more aphoristic, almost Nietzsche-like, like mm-hmm. da 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 da. No, um, and it 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 doesn't allow for this for your like we say a little bit more complex type of argument. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Like if we bring this up, he would recognize that yes, it's it's, yeah. a, it's a lot more complex reality. Yeah. But like I do think like um, he is saying, and I think I agree. It's like so the technology is neutral. It's how you use it. Yes, but it is definitely changing our way of being. Mm-hmm. So even if you do have a, now a larger community because of this, and you need it, mm-hmm. again because the physical community that you have isn't acknowledging you as you are, right? Uh, and that is so important. But that larger community that is important to you is still not a physical, like the human being community. There is still a way in which each node of that community. Has a lot of power over who is in part of my community, and part of being this human relationship is that there or things is this resistance. You know what I mean, like resistance, which is like they're there and they're not me, the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the digital world, the other can be uh, like Facebook notification off, defriended. All these things can happen. Whereas in the physical thing, you can't, and there's a part of the resistance, the other, that creates the sense of like, oh, this is real. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's where, like, the the deeper human need, which is why I think when people are connected virtually, they still would like to somehow meet together. Mm-hmm. So there is a Facebook group. I think it's called PAC, Progressive. Uh, I, don't, I forget the acronym, but it's basically like Progressive Asian Christians kind of stuff, mm-hmm. where there are not a lot of Progressive Christian churches, Korean churches, or Asian churches actually in general. And so what they did is they created this group in the Facebook, and there's so many conversations because now they find someone who they could relate to, and they're discomfort with the current Evangelical Asian churches, right? But they're gonna get to it on a retreat. They're gonna they want to meet together mm-hmm. because it's still not like that community community until they gather physically. Sure, yeah. I'm not saying it's either or. You don't have to be sure. either or. And yeah. I think he would agree that it's not. You know, it's the issue is more complex. Yeah. But I'm saying he's presenting in a very extreme. Every chapter is very sure. extreme yeah. and one sided, mm-hmm. and there. They're presented more as a, I mean, it's a critique, right? So obviously right. he's going to be critical of everything. Yeah. So um, I agree with what you said, that there is value in that physical togetherness, but that's just one side of it. That wouldn't even be possible if you didn't have the virtual side of it, if you hadn't even met virtually sure. in the first place. Yeah. So they're both kind of conduits to the other, you know? So, and I, even afterwards, if you all go back home, it's not like if you meet every two years, like you, what other way is there to keep in touch, you know? So I think, 
it brings distances closer and but it can also make them you know further apart as well it's it's both right. it's yeah both. Yeah. You, yeah um i, I guess like uh say, yeah no no it was, to me it was just a little bit like which of your senses is better than the others you know what i mean it's oh. just like a bit like <laughs> oh, <that's interesting. laughs> which what's best you you know this is destroying Okay, the capitalist critique, the commodification, 100%, I'm on board. I think that really, if you're, you're talking about technology coupled with commodification and capitalism, 100%, that's eating into our notions of community, it's eating into our freedom, it's giving us the illusion of community and the illusion of freedom, but it's actually preying on us mm -hmm. by exploiting what we think that means in the capitalist right. society. Yeah. Yeah, but if we're just critiquing th non-things themselves, I think, you know, um, even today, I think people are very precious with certain things. It's not just your grandmother who's like, oh, this is a teapot from my great-grandmother, whatever. I think people in my generation will be very precious about things as well, you know. And babies, from the moment you're born, they might have like a... a some stuffed animal or a blanket that they really care about and that just carries over into adulthood because people care i don't know i, I don't think it's necessarily you know you buy and discard all the time everything i'll stop talking yeah. no 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 don't so yes i agree like it's not gonna we're not gonna add things enter into a world where all things disappear which is like what this prophet Pyeong Chul Han seems to be saying, like, we're going to enter into that. This is the slope that's going to bring us to that. And, and there's no way until we extract all nine things and we go back to it. So that, that I don't buy. Yeah. And so this is actually one of the things that where he tries to kind of bring this argument to a closure. I guess if you haven't read it, at the end, he talks about this jukebox that he found accidentally. And he brings it in and he takes care of the jukebox. Like, I feel like that didn't quite fit in the way the whole book actually the tone itself. Like, it's kind of like a, a, a closing scene that didn't fit the rest of the movie. Uh, and what's the jukebox have to do with anything? Well, he's going to talk about the about thing that this jukebox has a memory. So, for example, if you if you buy digital music. Then that digital music itself doesn't have memory, except again, I think the fundamental, not the critical, fundamental like explanation of all things, like the digital music doesn't have history. It has only information. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really have memory. But let's say you bought the record player or you bought the jukebox that has a very song, then that very materiality means that it has history beyond just the music it plays. Someone had bought this jukebox. This jukebox was at a cafe. Now he bought it. Now it's in his room. And he takes care of it and there's a clicking sound so that's kind of all of that yes i understand mm -hmm. um but i guess beyond the tone of it like i don't know if it really fits with that is that uh so is this okay so i guess two things like one is yes like what you were saying i do think that people do still want to hold on to things possess things mm -hmm. and i think that is in one sense like proving his argument that human beings do want relation with things. And you know what? No matter how attractive non-things are, most people will still want to have something. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but like, like secondly, for for him, like um, now I'm trying to remember what I was going to do for the second one. Um, like to think that so then him having that jukebox itself, like somehow kind of actually like uh, I don't know, it is the way of salvation. Do you know what I mean? Like it seemed to represent that way. Like I bought this jukebox now. I'm not Amazon Music Unlimited member. Mm. This is gonna keep my humanity. I just felt like that's not. It was presented such a way, and if you and if if it is, if it what that was his intention, then that is not the salvation. That is not what's gonna redeem us from non things. Yeah, I mean that would have been oversimplifying the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that's what yeah. I said. Yeah, I seem to oversimplify things. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that's the overall critique reading this thing where it's like very extreme <laughs> and sort of simplifying things to make things clearer, of of course. Yes. And that, I do think you would have acknowledged that things are more complex, but it's like a relatively short book, you know. Right, and, right. Um, yeah, it goes through like selfies, artificial intelligence, you know, different subjects today that, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that he talks about selfies, I was like, I mean, that's pretty fun. That's pretty contemporary, you know, yes. props to this person to discussing selfies philosophically. Um, but yeah, jukebox. I mean, the thing is, it, like I have Spotify playlists that I've created. I have Spotify playlists that I've created in conjunction with other people. I have Spotify playlists that I have created from a quiz that I played where we each were assigned another person and based on their short description, we had to put together a playlist based on what they wanted. So all of these are saved on my Spotify and which is why I can't get off premium Spotify, which is a capitalist trap. But mm -hmm. in any case, there's like memories of things that I did. Mm, okay. And just as if I flipped through a physical photo album, it would have brought back memories that I totally forgot about. If I flip back on my phone, it's also memories that I totally forgot about. It's the same thing. It's just that it's not material. Mm -hmm. But like, what is the point of materially flipping through plastic sheets in a photo album? You know what I mean? Like, is there the memory of you putting those photos in? Okay, that's fair. But I also have the memories of taking the photos on my phone or my previous phone, which carried over into my current phone, like, or somebody else sent me those photos, so I have them on my phone. So it, they're still, like, I have the memories with me. Doesn't mean that just because the cloud has it, which, again, if the cloud has it, yes, there's a commercial element that's a little mm -hmm. bit evil and a little bit, like, beyond my control. If there's, like, a data breach, it's no longer mine, but... Um, it doesn't mean that I lost my memory because it's digital now. What do you That's think? Interesting. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah, you're right. No, I, as you're saying it, yes, there is a memory that does not require necessarily some materiality of it. And mm -hmm. yes, I totally could understand if you're making these playlists together with someone else, there is a, a community actually you come together and you mm -hmm. created it. So yes, yes. But I think that's, still means that there is some type of memory that's unique to materiality. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, so again, like, 
I might not be as like prophetic judgmental, mm-hmm. but I think the the critique of the way we are being does change. Like it is not that just the surface level tools now beyond is changing. Actually, that is changing how we are being. I think that still sits. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether now we are doomed or not, that's different, right? And I don't think we're doomed, but mm-hmm. I think it's changing. So mm-hmm. for example, like like when you're talking about um, the selfie, I, and I agree with you, the, the fact you could talk about selfie and reflect on it philosophically, I guess at one angle it's like, come on, man, it's just selfie, right? But it isn't. And, and not, when he talks about selfie, he said how no selfies, all selfies has to be, um, you know, smiling. Mm-hmm. And it can't be a selfie of you in a funeral. Sad. But, like, well, it sounded like there were funeral selfies. Smiling. Yeah. That, that's what I mean. So that is it a, it takes you away from that physical experience and you have to manufacture a smile mm-hmm. for a selfie. So I think that's the thing. That's like a photograph. So I thought I found this very helpful. Like even if you don't forget everything you said, like in a photograph, when it was not digital, when it was analog, that that itself created some type of um, like a, how do we take this photograph? Or some type of weightedness and seriousness to taking a photograph, right? But now if you could take any digital photos, right? Then it, the way you take photos now, and the way you relate to that does change. I realized that before the digital photo, mm-hmm. I took photos very carefully because it costs a lot yeah. of money to process. Yes. And then you print whatever, and you are very careful with that. And that, yeah. and now it's not just the image that gives me the memory, but the mm-hmm. photo itself that I seek to preserve. There's another material mm-hmm. history to that. Mm. beyond again the image the information aspect of it but now if you take digital photo if you take selfies it it manufactures something that you know again that sounds like it should not be a selfie smiling in a funeral so um but yeah so again i think that goes to the point of like it does change how we relate to things Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm sorry um how we are being Mm -hmm. Um, and i also agree that it's not a simple solution, but I do think for me, like as I was reading this, like, okay, let me be aware of what is happening when I do this. And I want to appreciate a bit more of the things that I have. Mm-hmm. I think creating that appreciation does bring me a bit more like, you know, awareness, lingering, you know, mm-hmm. um, like my daughter, Elena, who sometimes, you know, peeks in and out, right? Um, she wants to buy what well, she did get a record player and she wants to buy the record um, and you know she has like like a, a favorite artist right like Martinez I think is one of the artists um, okay <laughs> so she already has access to it through Amazon music mm-hmm. but access is not hers mm-hmm. right if we end the membership then it's gone yeah. She yeah. wants to own it. Yeah. She wants to have the album. Mm-hmm. And then with the album comes the album cover art mm-hmm. and the all, all these other things that comes with it. There's a picture book in it. Mm-hmm. It goes with the theme about Cry Baby. And all of that now is, is is like again with the physical limitation, 
she has less access to it. She could only hear it at her home. But that itself limitation allows her to have a relationship with it, right? Taking care of it. She doesn't want it to be broken. And mm. actually, it's kind of messed up. So now she's going to return it. Oh. And she says it was Amazon shipping. Who knows? <laughs> I'm going to say it's Amazon shipping. <laughs> so do you know what I mean? Like that type of thing yeah. where you don't have to worry about the digital getting messed up. It yeah. doesn't. It's perfect. Yeah. which itself is, again, then you don't have the same type of relationship with it, right? The relationship of care, mm -hmm. which itself creates another type of being, right? Mm -hmm. One who's able to care. Yeah. And I think care is a topic that comes up, a theme. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even with Alina, with younger generations, they do care about certain, you know, physical yes. things. And... Well, there's a choice, right? Either you find it precious enough that you want it as a physical thing, mm. or you just want to have it as a subscription thing because right. it's not valuable enough. So you can make that choice, which, mm. you know, I think that's fine. I can explore things online without having to go out and buy it. And then I know, oh, this is valuable enough for me to actually get it. Right. and then take care of it you know so yeah. at least there's a choice there um but yeah there's i think now there's this, this whole thing with like vintage items and like secondhand things that mm -hmm. i think you know that's that's back like wanting things with a history and yeah it's okay you know so yeah there's there's an element of care there maybe mm -hmm. yeah, yeah 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 so and yeah and i think that's whether they can articulate it or not it's you know they might not articulate it philosophically but i think it goes back to this again the human desire to have some relationship uh with with things mm -hmm. right that satisfies a, a human being beyond again just access with it with the digital stuff mm -hmm. um yeah. The thing is, the digital things do so many things. They're multifunctional and multi-purpose, whereas okay. physical things are generally for one purpose only. Mm. So it's different in that sense where mm. I satisfy my emotional needs, my work, my, you know, catching up with friends, uh, music, photography. Okay. Everything is on this one device. So it's easy to blame it all on the device because it ends up doing so many things and it controls so many of those aspects of you mm. because that's, you know, tech companies want to do more and more. They want to give you, you know, the latest thing that came out was some augmented reality device that you put on your face. So it's like, instead of having a monitor, you can just check your notifications with this thing, these glasses on your face, you know, so trying to take over your reality in a way. So, mm. Um, there's that, I think, as well, where the technologies, oh, this is what Han mentions, the technologies take care of you. So we buy things that will take care of us, so we have yeah. to worry less and less about things. Right. Whereas in the reverse sort of world, you know, before, it was more that we took care of things, and so we've sort of lost that relationship of care. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's true in the sense that that's what tech companies are trying to do. They're selling you a premium product that will do everything mm -hmm. for you. 
Um, so I, I don't think all of humanity will want that, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, yeah, I think I think it's just different the way that we use things that are not tech related mm. yeah, because they're one usually one purpose things. Yeah, like the desk, you put things on, you mm. use it to work. Mm. A glass, you use it to drink something. A pen, you use to write with. So it's not like all in one. Right, right. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's easy to blame everything on it, I think, because we spend right. so right. much time on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's something that I, I think about. Yeah. Right. That material things tend to be limiting purposes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like, right. I mean, again, the simple answer, does that mean that if we rid of all tech, then we'll be happier? No. Right? So, mm. right. Uh, so it's not just moving into things, but how do we, in this world of non-things, recognize how non-things work in us and how mm. can we use it to maybe enhance, right, mm. uh, our relationship with things? Mm. Um, and then how are non-things being commodified? Um, yeah. And yeah. maybe some part of it is me being just a parent, like where I recognize, like, <laughs> I'm being real honest, like, okay, my, my daughter, Alina, like, even as she enjoys these non-things, she wants things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's more in tune with herself. Like, so she likes making nails, right? Mm-hmm. And there's spent like hours making these nails. I'm like, my, my goodness, I would not, I'll find that laborious. Like you cannot pay me enough for me to do that, but mm-hmm. she's doing it because there's something about creating a thing mm-hmm. that could bring delight to other people. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, actually after this, I'm gonna be dropping off one of her nail sales. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? she's okay. old, yeah. But then there was like my, oldest son like where you know like he's using the TikTok you know concept and TikTok like you're saying the technology creates convenience uh, but also a way to continue to attract us so they could sell right I mean basically mm-hmm. it's run by that right so he's doing this and this and this now he can't sit and be bored he, it's hard for him to sit and eat yeah. It's hard for him to sit in the dining table with the family member, and if the conversation gets a little bored, he's on the phone. Yeah. And I think there are people who do kind of do that. Now, yes, he has friends, and he goes out, and that's great. But is he limiting himself? Because, if, again, just a little bit bored, a little bit of resistance, that mm-hmm. he's going to go there with where it's so smooth. Okay, mm-hmm. and I love how he turns a lot of this philosophical terms into mm-hmm. like uh, again current modern thing, right? How does do you remember the the Phono sapiens? He they want everything smooth, right? No resistance, mm-hmm. and that's what he likes. He likes like smooth. And so then, does that relate to you know again the way of being? How it relates to people? Does he have less resilience, less grace, less patience when there's resistance? I think there have been some studies shown where, like, you know, like this current generation is actually having like less sex, and, and 
now I don't know if I could connect everything, but I wonder if it's partly because of again where prevalence of porn, but also like you know just again all of these other things that gets tells that person that you could get this so simple and so easily. So then the sexual relationship, which is actually it takes a lot of work in, in the sense of like getting to that point, and even the work it sex itself is still work. <laughs> it's not as easy as porn makes it out to be, but they can't, right? I mean, because again, their mind has been the digital, again, the resistantless, smooth world is how they see the world. Um, so, so the answer is not getting rid of all that. But I, again, I do think like there are people who are not maybe aware enough or critical enough, and they might live in this world without f- full deep connections. And I also realize that you and I enter into this digital world with a very good memory of the non-digital world, the pre-phone era, right? Right, for you too, right? No? A very good memory? Yeah, or, or the pre-phone era, where, where internet, you know, before you mean like the phone uh, was everything. Vivid? Do you mean a vivid memory or a positive memory? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know, maybe both. Oh. I don't know if it was positive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so that's a good point. Okay. Yeah. You, you want to tell me a little bit more? Like, so there you have you were you grew up when pre-internet phone, right? No. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like with so the snake, before. the snake game on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fun way to put it. Like, um. So then, yeah. I mean, does. Does that inform you in any way? And you said negative. Maybe that's the first question. Like, uh, not 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 positive memory. So why is that? Then tell me what you mean by that. It's not positive or negative, and that it's hard to say because. Um, I see. I see. The pressures of adult life are make you very much tied to your computer. So I don't know how that would have been if I were a child. I can't. I, I can't really imagine. I see. Yeah. Okay. And I still spent yeah, quite yeah. some time on my computer. I think because downloading things took hours. <laughs> yes. So there was that, and finding things took hours, and just you could spend hours exploring because that was still like the pioneering sort of days of mm. the web. So yeah. you just were there creating your little old home page or you know i think you could still spend (laughs) yeah i think you could still spend quite some time just exploring Mm. yeah yeah Yeah. but um but yeah i guess the difference is that it was more of an exploration Mm. whereas now it's more uh you take that access for granted Mm. so now if you don't have access you're like why mm-hmm. it's like your rights were infringed upon or something mm-hmm. You're like why can i access this how is uh, this even possible yes, so i think yes. the access bit you know and uh-huh. the you know you mentioned right. satisfying like your sexual needs or other kind of needs emotional needs everything you could mm-hmm. you could satisfy it in theory online because you have this idea of access mm-hmm. Yeah, because of the internet. Yeah. 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 I was just thinking of there's this um like there's a 
small kind of field in humanities called cognitive humanities, where the cognitive sciences meet the humanities. And mm -hmm. it kind of comes down from like some cognitive anthropologists who thought about what they now discuss as the four E's in cognitive humanities, which is uh, embodied, extended, inactive, and something else, some other E word, uh, mm -hmm. cognition. Okay. So the way that you think mm -hmm. is embodied, is okay. through your body. There's yeah. knowledge and, you know, being in right. this, you know, human form. Mm -hmm. And then there's um, inactive, which is practice. And that's knowledge, you know, exchange, gain, shape through practice and action. Mm -hmm. And then extended cognition is things that become part of your cognitive functions like even a pencil and a piece of paper you might have a mathematical equation in your head that you can't solve until you write it down on paper so it's really still your thoughts but you can only process that problem because you have the pen and paper does that make sense yes it does. you start writing and then your thoughts come out but they yeah. were not as clear before you wrote right. it down. Right. Yes. So that, that can actually be through your computer and your word processor. Right. Or it would have been through the typewriter or whatever. So in a sense, you think through those objects. Okay. okay. And they also become part of, they shape you as well. So yeah. Yeah. it's sort of like a, yeah, there's more of a complex relationship with you. Mm -hmm. But it, it's not positing it as one versus the other you know so I kind of like the fact that it was not like this thing versus non-thing but it was right. like a fusion of the two uh -huh. so yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this I'm just so, no no yeah yeah so, so so even there I would say that that's still a thing right so people talk about how you know writing and typing itself does bring about different ways of knowing cognitive work mm -hmm. right? and that's because there's a physical difference to those yeah but you could still i can write it out online sure. like yes, on word for sure. yeah. yeah right right yeah so yeah so even like again uh, like writing it online but you're still tapping the keyboard so there's a physical kind of relationship mm. um I, I think when uh so again, thinking through like when it's talking about non-things is, you know how he talks about the difference between a hand and then the fingers, and he kind of does a wordplay on the digits. So mm -hmm. digitalization is about working on the digits, right? So there's still a type of interaction, but it's mm -hmm. only the fingers, mm -hmm. right? The swiping and choosing mm -hmm. like that. And that, like I get again, like it's still a thing thing, but it's a the slightest relation with thing, and it's really to get you to the non things, which is again information, and it just creates this uh, illusion of choice. Like I'm swiping left, I'm swiping left, so I'm not him, not him or not her, right? Dating or whatever. Um, but so again, so that that's like resistant less uh, relation with non things. Whereas like a hand, mm -hmm. like it's 
like a hammer or a nail, but that's all about is that you are working with some resistance. You are hammering something in a nail, the resistance pushes back and you feel it. And that's kind of knowledge. And so it's a, there's a knowledge that comes with kind of feeling the physical resistance of it, right? Um, so I'm trying to, I'm not like, I'm taking what you said. I'm, I, I, I think I'm going somewhere with this, okay? <laughs> right. Um, like, so I, I think if, if a person just remains within, that doesn't, no person just remains with it, but if that's like the main way, again, fingers, non-information, then I do think like it does begin to like affect how you relate to how, how difficult it becomes for you to relate to things. Does that so make sense? So with resistance, you mean the level of effort that you have in the world, you have to exert in the world. I think that's part of it, but I think it's also that there is the other, that it really exists, right? Isn't that amplified online? You're saying that you can avoid it and that the algorithms bring you just the people who think like you. I mean, that could be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a way it's, in which resistance isn't, yeah. you could remove it. You can remove it. Yeah. But I can also not see the people I don't like in real life. I cut people out True. quite easily nowadays because they're not worth my time. <laughs> True. That's easy um, on actually I find that easier in person than online because online there I'm endlessly accessible and that stresses me out so much. So either I have to block them or I have to keep messaging them and say, you know, sorry, I'm busy. Like get the hint. Whereas in person, I would just would not even I would cross the street and not have to run into them on the street. Do you know what I mean? So there is like a simpler solution in that sense. But I, I get what you mean both ways. I, I get what you mean. Yeah, there there is an encounter with the other that is a little bit unavoidable, I guess, to some in some senses. But Especially I think with your family. You don't have to see them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. That was kind of a half joke, but okay. You're right. You're right. Uh, I mean, there are people who don't see their families. Right. Right. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, no, I'm I'm being a bit extreme, I suppose. Yes, there is your family, but um, uh, I was going to say something. I think, it de again, it depends on what you're doing with the technology. If you're thinking about the technology as being the thing that cares for you and is a thing of zero resistance, then, yeah, it is sort of designed to be easy. Apple is designed to be easy. Yes. Right, right. sleek and cold right. looking and efficient yeah, yeah. so right. yes but if you're a creative working with a digital platform you have to, you, there's a lot of resistance you don't know how it works things don't move the way that you want it to mm -hmm. you have to figure the system out just as you'll mm -hmm. have to know how to work a brush and a, and paint and mm -hmm. mix the colors together mm -hmm. so things there's i think there's still some knowledge work that can be done it's just different in terms of you know depending on what kind of work you're doing online yeah yeah but 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 there isn't a factor of you know especially for kids if you're thinking about their access to the internet there is you know minimal resistance yeah yeah i i get what you mean it's such a 
flat kind of stimulant to be mm-hmm. online. Flat stimulant, yeah. That's, yeah. That's a good it's yeah. one dimensional. Yes. So if, if we're talking about like children's content, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. Yeah. And I agree with most of your, you know, your critical perspectives on Pyeongchal Han's criticism. Uh, like there is a resistance even in the digital world. That's true. Not that you mentioned it. Um, and, and so, but again, like I think, like the, let's say, the resistance you experience when you're doing digital art and the resistance you feel when you're painting on a canvas is different. Of so course, know, it's different. Yeah, yeah right? of course, it's different. Yeah. So there's a different type of resistance. Um, yeah. So I think for me, like w- watching again, my wife doing artwork, I never realized it until I see an, an artist at work, like how physical a work and artwork is. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always thinking like, oh, that's beautiful. And you see it. But it's a very physical labor from the wood of the frame, the canvas that you choose, the mm-hmm. brush that you choose, the pigment that you choose, and how you create that paint. And different type of paints have different type of reaction response to the paper. And all of that, like, comes to the decision making. So it's not just where, you know, well, let's say, again, I, I agree with you. Like, I think there's t- different types of resistance in digital art. But with the digital art, you could still think a bit more about the concept, right? Different colors like that. Whereas, let's say an artist with a paint, like we have to think like this type of paint base will create this type of different coloration. Like they have to think that through. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think there is a power to an art that when you're physically there, that the materiality brings, which you can't get if you're still seeing it in the most well photographed you know, representation of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's different the way that you experience yeah. those things. And those yeah. are two different experiences. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think, you know, it's just that I don't want this person sounds Han sounds nostalgic. And of course, like uh, we can't let it get to the extreme opposite. But we're still in our bodies. We still need to go offline to eat and yeah. cook and wash and yeah. shower, you yeah. know? So even if we are surrounded by technologies, I mean, maybe one day it'll do everything for us. But I also don't think that people are willing to give up their the joys of eating, joys of uh. cooking, the joys of, I don't know, sourdough was a trend during lockdown, even despite all of the... The online right. activity you know it was yeah, yeah. plants yeah. becoming a plant parent getting cats you know it was just mm-hmm. a lot of right. things still happening offline so it's, yeah. it's like it's a fair critique to be like yes we can't relegate all of our experiences to be online because as you said there's mm-hmm. value to physical experience mm-hmm. and yeah. why would you pay you know a shitload of money to go and see the Mona Lisa, which is the least inspiring bit of painting in the world, to go <laughs> to Paris to see it uh-huh. because it got famous because it got stolen at some point in history, but people don't remember that. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's still both, and I think you can't be yeah. like bemoaning the fact that we've changed because we're not going back unless there's a complete blackout and people bomb all of our whatever. 
um, servers. <laughs> we have a technology blackout. But um, yeah, like I think this is sort of ignoring the positive possibilities of of what it does. Sure, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 You're right. And maybe one of our podcasts could be kind of exploring the positive aspects of the. <laughs> no, seriously, no yeah. it's not as fun. <laughs> not as fun. <laughs> I'm just playing devil's advocate.